there are two things I wanted to say uh, in relation to, to Dave sharing. Um, the first one is, even in a church like this, where we really try to be honest and open and just transparent about our struggles, you can kind of get the sense sometime when you just come on Sunday morning that everybody else has it together and they've lived a little perfect life and you're the only one who has gone through struggle and pain and loss. And when we hear this, we're reminded that, no, actually we all have very broken, very painful journeys. And that's not something to be ashamed of or to hide away. The community is to bring that out that we might together see God's grace manifest in the midst of it. So that's the first thing. The second I want to say is that if this has touched a chord in you, and and maybe, because this often happens, maybe you're feeling, oh, you know what, this is God's wake-up call for me. There's some stuff in my life that I have not dealt with, and it's time to begin to open the closet and deal with some of these things. If you're feeling that way, I want to encourage you in a number of ways. Of course, you can talk to Dave. He's he spent a lot of time working with people in, in this area, and so he would be happy to talk to you. You can uh, make an appointment with one of the pastoral staff here, and, and, and we'll spend some time together. We've got money in our Cedars, uh, our Cedars project for this year for additional outside counseling. We have great counselors that we refer people to, and so we would like to be, have that be a part of it. So um, don't just sit back if God is tugging at your heart and saying it's time to address some of these things. Don't just sit back. Um, you know, take a step of faith, and I know it's scary, but um, God is big enough to handle it and to walk you through it, and, and that's what this community is for. So just want to say those two things in response. Um, great. Well, we're going to transition then a little bit. Uh, if you'd open your Bible to uh, 1 Timothy 6, 1 Timothy 6. This is page uh, 853. If you need a Bible, um, raise your hand. We'll hand one to you. Uh, In that Bible that we hand out, it's on page 853. It's a short little text for this morning. And we are going to spend a brief time kind of working on the next stage of our story of God. Verse 20 says simply this, and I'm actually only going to read the first, first part of it. O Timothy, Paul writes... Guard the deposit entrusted to you. Guard the deposit entrusted to you. And this morning, just want to spend a few minutes talking about what that deposit is and how we guard it. Now, we're in the story of God. We've been going through the entire Bible uh, in eight sessions, and we are now almost to the end. And so let me just briefly catch you up to speed on what we've been doing. Sarah? Sarah? Thanks. Um, we started off with uh, creation, and we said the three conditions of paradise were that God was with the people, and that the people were together in community, and that they had a perfect place in which to live. That was lost in the fall, or at least veiled to some degree. And that could have been the end of the story, but God decided to initiate a plan of redemption. And it started with a promise. And the promise is that he would restore his presence, that he would restore the community, and that he would restore the place. 
the nation of Israel went to Egypt and they settled there for a period of time. And in that uh, place, they grew as an incubation chamber for the nation. They got so big, they became threatening to Egypt and Egypt enslaved them as a result. And after crying out to God for 400 years, God finally released them from Egypt under the leadership of Moses. That's the Exodus. And God was with them. Um, he, he led them into, he made them into a community and he was leading them into a new place in the Exodus. The Exodus just simply means a way out. God gave them a way out. But how would they sustain this new community that God had pulled together uh, on the other side of the Exodus? He gave them the law to sustain them. But the stewards of the law, the judges, the kings, and the prophets were unable to bring the people into accordance with the law, to live out the law. They continued to sin and to turn away from God, and the community was, was left in decay. And, and, and finally, God, after giving them chance after chance after chance, He finally came upon them in judgment and sent them away from the land that He'd given to them as their gift and their inheritance. That's the exile. They were exiled, and it was God's judgment on them. 400 years again passed before God spoke. But in the beginning of the New Testament, we read that a baby was born, and the baby was named Emmanuel, called Emmanuel. God is with us. He was named Jesus because he would save them from their sins. And this really was the new Exodus, the New Testament Exodus, because Jesus. Uh, followed the same path as Moses. He, Moses led the people through the water, and he's going through the water in the first exodus. The water uh, symbolizes uh, chaos and the Netherland and Sheol and death and Hades, and they're walking through all that, and they come out the other side. Jesus walked through real death in his crucifixion and came out the other side in his resurrection. And it was an effective exodus that overcame sin because of his atoning sacrifice and showed the people the way forward. Now, what would sustain that community? This is where we find ourselves today. What would sustain that community after they came through uh, the, the, the New Testament exodus? Uh, in the Old Testament, we had the, the Mosaic Covenant and the law, and that was to sustain the community, uh, but it didn't work. Uh, and, and so in the New Testament, what's it going to be? Hebrews 8, verse 6 says, But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is as much more excellent than the old as the covenant he mediates is better, since it is enacted on better promises. The promise centers around grace. John 1.17 says, For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now, we're going to talk about grace primarily. Grace is what sustains the New Testament community. Now, truth is a key aspect of it. Uh, and we could, if we had more time, we could spend time talking about truth as well. But in the New Testament, you see over and over again, the law set over and against grace. And so we're going to talk about grace this morning. Whereas the law failed to sustain the community in the Old Testament... The grace in the New Testament will be successful in sustaining the community. Uh, and grace is just simply defined as unmerited favor. When God says, you're in my favor, and you didn't do anything to deserve that, but you're under my, my loving, watchful care, that's what grace is. And it was brought about by Jesus Christ, who went to the cross to atone 
to take into himself the, the sin of, of, of the world, and on, as that sin was taken into him, then people could be forgiven, and so that grace and the favor could be back on the people, and, and, and that's how God brought it about. And the way we apprehend that grace, the way we, uh, we, we, we come under that grace is by faith, by placing our trust in Jesus Christ. And when we do so, that atoning sacrifice is applied to our lives, and we are now a people who stand in, in, in fav, under the favor of God. That's how grace works. That's the, the essence of it. That's the center of it. But it's interesting. It's not just the first kind of initial thing. Grace is not just a one-time thing. We're to stand in this grace as a community, and it's what keeps us together and binds us and holds us together. Romans 5, 2. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into his grace in which we stand. Grace was not just for the beginning. We stand in it daily. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. 1 Peter 5.12 By Silvanus, a faithful brother as I regard him, I have written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. And listen to this. Stand firm in it. The New Testament community is sustained by standing firm in the grace of God based on the work of Jesus Christ. Not the law, but grace. And this grace, this new uh, way of sustaining uh, is effective. Now, uh, let me say a little bit more about the, the nature of this grace. If you haven't been part of our Gospel Academy course, the first one that's called Gospel, I want to encourage you strongly to be a part of that because in that course, what we do is define grace. We spend a long time really understanding what grace is. And then, as after defining what grace is, um, we spend some time talking about how you apply grace to your life in whatever circumstance you're in. And we talk about how you help each other uh, understand grace and how in our home group setting, um, you can take uh, a situation and apply grace to it and see God's transforming work at, at work in your home group. So I want to encourage you to think about that if you haven't been to that class. Um, see, in our home groups and in our, in our worship together, we're not trying to encourage each other with morality and say you should be doing this and you, and, and you, need, to, you need to do this better. That's the law, and that, that doesn't work. That's what we saw in the Old Testament. What sustains us is not holding each other accountable to the law. Now, there's a place for accountability. There's a place for, for spending time uh, encouraging and admonishing one another. But what really sustains us is when, when all of that takes place within the context of a gracious environment, where people understand that God's favor is on us because of Jesus Christ. And when we, we proclaim the gospel into each other's lives, when, when we don't just think of preaching as whoever it is standing up here reading from the Bible, but when we start to preach to ourselves and remind ourselves of the grace of God, and when we're sitting in our home group and somebody's struggling and somebody is failing and somebody's uh, under just laboring under sin, we don't say to them, well, buck up and just do it better, follow the law better. We say, look, haven't you forgotten something? The grace of God is upon you. In Jesus Christ. And I don't know how it works exactly, but somehow when we say that to each other, we apply, apply that grace to each other, it transforms us. That's what the Bible says. That's where the power is for salvation, not in following the law. 
So we want to be a people sustained by grace. And if we're going to do that, we need to preach the gospel into each other's lives. The, the grace of God has to sort of bounce around in our community. And as we talk and as we pray for each other, we're continually reminding each other about the grace of God. And as it bounces around in there and we apply it and we remind each other when we forget because we forget all the time. We keep trying to please God and earn favor with others and with God. And so when this grace bounces around, it changes us and transforms us. That's, the, that's, the, that's how the New Testament community is sustained. Focusing in on the grace letting it bounce around and transform us. And it produces a result. Whereas, the, whereas in the exile, we had the exile was the result of uh, the law. People were scattered in all, scattered to the winds. The nation was scattered to the winds. When you bring grace into the center, what happens? The people are gathered together. So whereas we had the exile as a result of the law, We have gathering, and that's why we've called it gathering here. We have gathering as a result of grace. The people are pulled together around the gospel. And in your home groups this week, uh, you're going to explore that a little bit more, looking at Ephesians 2, 13 through 22, and a little bit more than that. And it's this, this incredible notion of aliens who are far off being brought together in the gospel. People who are separated from each other, Jews and Gentiles, far off, scattered, now they're being brought together. This is the power of the gospel. The power of the gospel. Whereas the law resulted in the scattering, grace results in gathering. Now, the law was precious. We talked about that. It was, in a, it was important. It was stewarded. It was good. But grace is all the more precious. And it's stewarded, we talk about, by Christ. If you go back to that chart, by Christ and uh, Christ is the expression of it uh, by the disciples who were the witnesses. The apostles were the witnesses to the grace coming and by the church who are the stewards of it. That's what we are. We're the stewards of this grace. And it's a precious gift. Robert Fulgham, uh, you may have heard, he's a popular writer, um, tells a story of a, a little girl and a father and their interaction together. Little girl has this little bag, and in this bag, she's got all of her favorite things. Two ribbons, three stones, a plastic dinosaur, a pencil stub, a tiny seashell, used lipstick, two chocolate kisses, and 13 pennies. Little paper bag. She gives it to her dad one day and says, you can take this to work with you. So he takes it to work, and he opens up the bag and during his lunch or something and puts the stuff on the table and looks at it and kind of chuckles, and isn't that cute, and then sort of wipes it off into the trash can and goes back home. He talks to his um, little daughter. She says, Daddy, where's the bag? He suddenly gets this panic come over him. She starts to tear up. Dad, you didn't lose the bag, did you? He writes, Molly had given me her treasures, all that a seven-year-old held dear, love in a paper sack, and I had missed it. Not just missed it, I had thrown it away. Nothing in there I needed. It wasn't the first or last time I felt like my daddy permit was about to run out. I went back to my office, dumped all the wastebasket out onto my desk. The janitor came in and asked, did you lose something? Yeah, my mind. It's probably in there. He ends up finding all the little pieces and putting them back in the bag, and uh, he goes home. Um, she's asleep when he gets home. And uh, the next day, he has her tell him 
everything about each one of those items, why it's important, where she got it, where it came from. To my surprise, he goes on to write, Molly gave me the bag once again several days later. Same ratty bag, same stuff inside. I felt forgiven. Over several months, the bag went with me from time to time. It was never clear to me why I did or did not get it on a certain day. I began to think of it as the daddy prize, and I tried to be good the night before so I could be given it on the next morning. In time, Molly turned her attention to other things, lost interest in the game, grew up. Me, I was left holding the bag. She gave it to me one morning and never asked for it back. It sits in my office still, left over from when a child said, here, this is the best I've got. Take it. It's yours. I missed it the first time, but it's my bag now. You can have something very, very precious and miss it. And in the gospel, God has given us his very, very best. The grace of Jesus Christ. And we're to hang on to it. To open it up. To look at every part of it. To share it with each other. To proclaim it to one another, and to see its power unfolded in our midst. That leads us right to that text we started with. O Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. What's the deposit? It's the gospel. It's the gospel of the grace of Jesus Christ. Guard the deposit entrusted to you. Guard it. Now, how do we do that? That word for deposit, it's, it's used of something that's given to somebody uh, that's a treasured possession, and they're supposed to hold it and guard it. That phrase, guard the deposit, they're supposed to hold it and then give it back afterwards in good condition. We have this gospel, and we're to guard it, to hold on to it, to use it, and to share it, and then to, to be able to go back to God and say, we, we're so thankful we did it. We wanted it. We thank, we thank you that you gave it to us, and we shared it, and we, we stewarded it well. Because we realized how precious it is. How do you guard it? How do you guard this treasure that we've been given? First of all, and let me just finish with this, you receive it. And I just, I just want to say this to some of you here maybe this morning. Um, if you are still trying to earn your way into God's good graces, you must stop. You must stop. You must come to Him under the name of Jesus Christ believing in Jesus Christ, and receive from Him the favor that comes with His grace. And I think some of us don't think we're doing that, but we still are. We haven't absorbed the gospel fully yet. So we must stop trying to earn our way into God's good graces or into the graces of the people around us. We must come to Him and receive it. That's the first one. The second one We must not use the Bible simply as moral instruction. The law is in there, and it's good. And the Bible tells us how to live, and we need to seek after that. But at the end of the day, that is not the ultimate goal of what we've been given. It's to bring us to Jesus Christ, that we might step into his forgiveness. And so uh, as we open this word up in our home groups and in Gospel Academy, in our devotions, It's great to understand what God wants us to do with our lives, 
but we must continue to preach the gospel to each other and remember that it's under the forgiveness of God that we grow and we're transformed. So we must preach to each other and preach to ourselves. And part of that means becoming transparent. And what we saw this morning with Dave becoming transparent with us is the kind of model that we want in this community. Because you can't apply the gospel to a problem that hasn't been acknowledged yet. So we need to be transparent with one another. And then when somebody's transparent around you, then your job is to respond by speaking God's grace into their lives. What I picture is over and over again repeated in our home groups and as we gather together in our Emmaus partners is people saying, you know what, I'm struggling with this. I just keep messing this up or I just blew this or I did that. And somebody else saying, look, hey, you've forgotten the gospel. Jesus Christ has demonstrated God's favor upon you and you just need to focus on that and let that transform you. So we need to preach the gospel to each other. We need to be willing to share the treasure that has been entrusted to us, to guard the deposit we've been given. Been holding our staff accountable a little bit to this, and myself especially. Are we actively engaged in sharing the gospel to one another? And when we meet together, when Andrew and Brent and, and I meet, and Jim, and we meet together, that's a question we ask. Are you sharing the gospel with somebody? And, I, and if the leadership needs to be held accountable to that, and we as a community need to be held to accountable to that because we've been entrusted with something magnificent and precious. Not to hold on to, but to share. And then lastly, in all of this, we remember the giver of this grace in worship. Last Sunday we sang, Oh, Give Thanks. Gospel song been ringing in my household all week long. And I'm reminded of how important it is to see it as a discipline. A discipline to thank God. To be intentional about thanking God. Because when we do that, we're reminded of just how precious and glorious this gift is that he has given to us. Would you pray with me? Lord, move in our midst, we ask, with your gospel, to renew its glories in our hearts and minds. All of those fears and anxieties and struggles and continual sins, all of that that we do battle against, ultimately finds its resolution in the simple fact that you have placed your favor upon us in Jesus Christ. If we have favor with you, nothing else ultimately in the long view will matter in our lives. And if we are out of favor with you, nothing could be worse. So renew in our hearts and our minds a clear sense of the glory and the precious nature of the gospel. Make this a gospel community. Help us to be uh, transparent with one another and help us to preach to one another. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. The gospel preaches through the table. We come forward weekly to share the gospel with each other. 
So I'm going to invite you this morning to come forward. As you do so, invite you to release any ways in which you have been living under the law. Receive the forgiveness of Jesus Christ anew. Uh, remind yourself of it. Um, his once and for all sacrifice paid it all. Um, we invite all to come to this table who have placed their trust in Jesus Christ. If you are in process and still trying to figure out what you believe, we're so glad that you're here. And we ask that you continue to come and ask questions and be a part of this community. Get involved in a home group. Come to the Exploring Christianity class. Uh, we want to be part of the journey with you. Uh, but this morning, we invite you to come forward if you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ to take the bread and dip it in the cup and be reminded of God's incredible grace through Jesus Christ. Now, on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it saying, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Lord, we come forward this morning uh, with confidence and boldness because of Jesus Christ and his once and for all sacrifice. We are overwhelmed sometimes, and we can hardly believe that your favor would be upon us, but it is. And so out of our brokenness and need, we march forward in boldness and allow ourselves to be reminded of your good mercy and grace in our lives. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.